Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Quacked Out Podcast. I'm Charlie Folkstead, joined as always by my co-host Reed Tingley and producer Paul Kress. Ducks got a pretty convincing win over Stanford in our the last time we spoke. Um, we got another depth chart today, got Wazoo coming up this weekend. Later on the show, we'll have Nate Alexander, aka Baseball Dude Man, uh, <laughs> Cascadia Sports Network's resident uh, Mariners writer, who happens to be a Cougar as well. Uh, we'll have him on to talk some Cougars. Um, first of all, though, Reed, let's tie up any loose ends from the Stanford game. You got any other stuff you want to mention? Yeah, I would say looking back on it and, and getting a rewatch in, I think I feel better about the result even than I did on Saturday night. Um, really, I think that what stood out to me was, was the offense's ability to execute um, after that first punt, really. I mean, I think that Shuck had had the bad throw on the interception, and then there's the you know kind of freak uh, fumble from Cyrus. But but putting together those drives consistently uh, had a ridiculous third down conversion conversion rate, and those were just things that we didn't see last year at all under Arroyo. So that was encouraging, I thought. Yeah, I agree. Um, I did a rewatch as well. Um, I have a feeling we watched the same one, and. Yeah. Uh, I, I was actually more impressed specifically with the offensive line. Um, and, of course, we saw uh, Ryan Walk go from walk-on on walk on to getting a scholarship on Halloween, I believe. And now, all of a sudden, he's, uh, what is it, Pac-12 Offensive Lineman of the Week. So, hey, great great to see that. And I think, overall, the, the unit worked really well together. So, yeah. that being said... Yeah, I was, go ahead. Oh, well, yeah, moving on to... Well, were you going to say something else on the offense or on the defense? It was defense, actually, so... Okay. Yeah, go go ahead, then. I mean, I think that while, while I was more impressed with the offensive line, the defensive line did present some concerns. Again, we, we mentioned this in the last episode. Like, we don't know what Stanford... How good Stanford's offensive line is necessarily yet. Ducks were without Popo Mave. It does seem like he'll be gone again this week. So, I mean, yeah, it would have been nice to see a sack, but hey, we didn't give up a sack, so balances out. Right. Yeah. I I think um, we should note. Yeah, both of us watched uh, QB Eleven stream rewatch over on Twitch. Mm-hmm. He does good uh, film breakdown, so people should check that out. Yeah. For a good uh, rewatch. Great resource. Um, and he was really uh, like said basically that he had zero concern about our lack of uh, quarterback pressures in the pass rush, and that made me feel really good because because I have had confidence in this defensive line, um, and I think that I think that we're, it's worth continuing that confidence going into the Wazoo game. I also think maybe one thing I I underestimated was the loss. Well, two things really: the loss of of Troy Dye and. Uh, Javon Holland I think die in terms of like coordinating our defense and communication going through the linebacker spot I think is something that um, maybe could have been improved in this game mm-hmm. and of course like losing die is is obviously going to be a big hit because he was the leader of our defense for four seasons mm-hmm. um, and then I think that uh I've been high on Jamal Hill as the replacement at, at nickel, and I, it's not that I'm 
I've lost confidence in him, but just realizing kind of and and gaining further appreciation for like what a special presence Javon Holland was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you kind of felt his absence at times um, yeah. in in the game on Saturday. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, those those are things that a team can certainly grow into, um, and it is still early in the season. Um, exactly. And we, we can dive into that a little later when we get into our game preview. Um, but unless there's anything else, uh, what do you say we zoom out and look at the uh, national slate this weekend? Sounds, Sounds good. good. Let's do it. All right, so we've had we've seen a lot of cancellations already across the board. Um, because the Oregon game isn't one of them, this is actually a good thing for us. It's a great chance to get some exposure um, on a national audience. Yes, we were the ABC game last weekend, but I think it's safe to say... Uh, quite a few people were watching a different game that weekend or perhaps a different <laughs> program altogether um, when, right. the, uh, <laughs> when a certain speech came on. So, I mean, this week is a great chance, um, as I said, to get more exposure. Ducks are on at the, the late game Fox lot. Um, that's Big Fox, I believe. And there's not a whole bunch of other like crazy big games this weekend like at all. Um, However, there is a certain um, rescheduled golf tournament this weekend that will definitely garner a lot of national attention. What is uh, golf? The Masters. No one cares about golf. I did see that uh, that one dude like skipped it across the water. And one. That was <laughs> yeah. pretty sick. Yeah, it's just, yeah that was cool. That was yeah. Pra- uh, that was just a practice round, but um, yeah, looked pretty know, legit to me. Starts Thursday. So. Uh, and goes to Sunday. I believe College Game Day is even at the Masters. This it is, yeah. yeah. Oh, it goes really? to Georgia. Wow. Interesting, interesting. Okay, well, I mean, let's get into the uh, football games this weekend. So we got probably the best early game looks like Miami at Virginia Tech. Um, really only because, like, Miami's ranked number nine. I mean, you could say kind of the same thing about the Indiana and Georgia matchups, uh, Indiana visits East Lansing and Georgia visits Missouri. Um, we also got, Hey, number 15 coastal Carolina with a tough road test at Troy this weekend, still undefeated <laughs> on the year, you know, um, Sun belt time. Yeah. Another undefeated team, Marshall and also undefeated Liberty. Wow. A lot of, a lot of undefeated teams in these 9am slots. Um, let's see. We got Penn state at Nebraska, teams yeah. that have combined for zero wins so far is that right yeah one game i think i'm definitely oh, tuning into is the uh notre dame boston college game hmm. if yeah i mean i think that for the ducks a loss you know if, if we have playoff aspirations for this year a loss from uh from notre dame would be huge for that and i think that there's a chance that they i think it's a losable game at boston college for them i would say uh, Less so, but in the same vein, Ohio State visiting Maryland and Baby Tua. Um, <laughs> I think that would, I mean, hey, why not? You know, we've seen plenty right. of crazy stuff this year. Why not something extra crazy? Yeah, and I yeah, think I have this, to... you were going to no, say. Go on, go on. I was just going to gas up Maryland and, and say how impressed I was in them the last two weeks. And yes, they have their big loss to Northwestern the start of the season. But if you wipe out that game. They've looked very, very good. Hey, so. playoff chances intact, you know? They can still win the conference. Um, yeah, I, th- I think this weekend is 
is really different from last weekend because we had a lot of like marquee matchups last weekend, games that had been hyped up all year that we'd had circled on the schedule mm-hmm. since the season kicked off. And this weekend, I think it's a lot of like potential trap games for yes. for these teams. So, I mean, it's like the Notre Dame game I'm watching, the Ohio State game I'm watching, uh, Arkansas-Florida maybe, uh, Wisconsin-Michigan should be a good game. I think Wisconsin's um, on track to play that after having a few weeks off with some COVID uh, issues. Um, and other, I'd, I had wanted to play in uh, Tennessee, Bam LSU, but both those are off, I think, now, to my understanding. Yeah, so the SEC has canceled three games now, two more today. The Mississippi State game was already canceled earlier, and then Bama LSU and also the A&M game were canceled today. Yeah. So, I mean, again, like, not great if you're just a general football fan, but, hey, if you're a Ducks fan, this, this gives us more of a chance to shine. Especially, I think that, I don't remember exactly when that Bama game was scheduled for. That might have been. The, I think it was in our slot. I, yeah, the late game. If I remember right, yeah. I remember. Um, but hey, I think USC at Arizona is also one to keep an eye on. We'll talk more uh, Pac-12 in a minute here. But um, definitely. I mean, like you said, there were a lot of big games last weekend, and anytime that happens, when you see like an overload on the schedule, you always know. Hey, next weekend, big upset weekend. So. I would love to see some upsets that don't involve the Ducks. Yeah, I think that's that's really what I'm hoping for out of this weekend in terms of playoff hopes is just if we could see one of those big teams, one of those top playoff contenders go down. Um, mm-hmm. Whether that's, you know, Florida, um, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Wisconsin maybe. Um, obviously, we haven't gotten to see much of the Badgers yet, but yeah. I, people think they're going to be good. So, um That'll be exciting too, but it's kind of one of those weekends, one of those Saturdays where you just anticipate the Ducks game and then, you know, you see what game kind of starts to be close into the second quarter and the second half and then, you know, flip that on and start Mm -hmm. rooting for the upset. There's also, it's worth mentioning, Iowa-Minnesota is a pretty good Friday night game. Uh, Night, 4 p.m. for those of us on the West Coast. Also, East Carolina at Cincinnati. I mean, obviously, we're expecting Cincinnati to dominate. But, hey, you never know, right? That would be a great opportunity for a team ahead of Oregon in the standings. And that would presumably be ahead of Oregon in the playoff rankings when they come out next week, I think, is the first iteration of that. Um, Oh, wow. Be a nice chance for, for to see someone else slip up. Yeah, I will, um, since we've got a little time here before our guest, uh, I will note um, the FPI, my favorite mm. uh, favorite tool uh, in terms of college football. Well, maybe not, but it's it's good. I like it a lot. Um, <laughs> has Now is the Ducks at uh, the sixth most likely team to make the playoffs at a 27% chance. Okay, okay. Which is an increase. Yeah. That's true, and I, I completely agree that our playoff chances have increased after what we saw last weekend. Um, well, actually, I don't know if I have. <laughs> yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if I agree with that. The the interesting thing for me, um, and and I know some people are skeptical of the FPI, and I have been in the past, and then like before last season, I kind of tried to figure out what exactly goes into this metric that I keep hearing a lot. Uh, 
and like the math behind it in terms of it, it's like a, it's meant to be a predictive measure, um, yeah. predict the outcomes of games. Well, it's not meant to be like a ranking measure. It's like a power rating. Um, yeah. But and anyways, for that, for that purpose, it, it serves its well purpose. Well, right. Right. But the interesting thing to me is, um, Clemson is dead even at a 50% chance to win out. And Ohio State and Alabama both are at a 54% chance to win out. Which I think kind of goes against this narrative that a lot of people are pushing. Uh, not that these teams aren't, aren't uh, really good. I think Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, and, and now Notre Dame thrown in there are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it goes against this narrative that they're so good that they are like locks to win out this yeah. season. Because I, it's just as that difficult to win that many football games in a row against Power 5 competition. Um, so I think that kind of provides some hope for me, just that even if you don't, you know, even if you don't see a game on the schedule for those teams that you would pick against them, mm-hmm. that there probably is chaos left to come in this college football season. Let me ask you a question. So out of those three teams, and I already have my answer, um, mm-hmm. Out of those three teams, which do you think is most likely to win out and which is least likely? Uh, most likely to win out, I have to say Ohio State. And that's really because I think I don't see a game on their schedule. They're, they're the team um, who I don't see like the clearest opportunity to lose for, hmm. uh, if that makes sense, if I'm saying that well. <laughs> yeah, because um, I think Bama, I could really see lo- losing to Florida. I think Florida looked really good against Georgia on Saturday, and they seem to just be kind of picking up steam. And then, you know, obviously I could imagine Clemson losing to Notre Dame <laughs> in the rematch because they just did. That's and, interesting. I and, Go ahead. Well, and on that front, I think that um, people look at, like, Clemson that game and say oh Trevor Lawrence is out Clemson's just gonna blow him out next time around I don't really feel that way because um really I mean they got really good play at quarterback from uh DJU and then um really the line of scrimmage was a big win for Notre Dame Mm -hmm. Clemson wasn't able to run the ball on the fighting Irish at all and vice versa, Notre Dame had some success running on Clemson. And so those are things right. that I don't know if they'll change. I mean, Clemson had some injuries on the defensive front, and if they can get healthy, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not saying Clemson can't win that game. I probably still would have them favored. But I don't think, like, they're going to blow out Notre Dame in this rematch or that injuries just, like, made this a fluke outcome. I don't know. I think we also have to remember that Clemson had injuries on both sides of the ball, right? I mean, right. it wasn't just Lawrence out who – that's a big loss. But, I mean, they, they had guys out on the defensive side as well. And also, we haven't – I don't know if we mentioned this on the last episode, but Ian Book had a great game. Is that sustainable? Like, can you count on him to do that again against Clemson with all their guys back? Hypothetically, of course. I don't know if we can. Um, so, in that vein, I still think – I know it's kind of counterintuitive, but – I feel like Alabama has the best chance to win out, going back to the question from earlier. And I know looking at the schedule doesn't make as much sense, but 
You, but you just think they're the best team. I really do. And yeah. that that Saban record against unranked opponents really sticks out to me. I, I don't know. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but it's insane. Um, yeah. He hasn't lost to an unranked opponent in a long time. And I just trust him more as a coach than Ryan Day. Like, Also, Alabama's had more time to heat up during the season, right? One might argue that that kind of evens out at some point, but I just... I trust Nick Saban more than Ryan Day, and I'm going to make an extremely bold and out-of-pocket prediction here that makes absolutely no sense and that should not be taken seriously in any respect. Um, (laughs) Michigan will beat Ohio State this year just so Jim Harbaugh can keep his job. Wow. That is a prediction. That's that's bold. Yeah, um, and the streak is 91 games. Nick Saban's won against uh, unranked opponents. Thank you. Wow. Yep. Okay, Nate is ready. Um, I think he's going to join us in a few minutes. So let's shift to um, thinking Pac-12 a little bit. Um, we got, let's see, everybody playing this weekend so far. No cancellations, right, which is a very important part of it. Um, yeah, let's hope that that can keep up. Yeah, for real. Um, I mean, that really is a thing for the Ducks now. It's like every week we can just get um, – Get to play games is big. Yeah. Nate, can you hear us? Are you here? Are we live right now? Yeah, we are. So say what's up to Reed and Paul. I know you can't see them on your screen, but I promise they're here. Um, Hi, welcome to the show. Yep. Welcome Nate Alexander to the pod, Cascadia Sports Network's resident Mariners writer. I am. I'm turning up my mic. Is that a little bit better? Yeah. Way better. Yeah. All right, perfect. Sweet. How you doing, man? How's this uh, week too, been? Oh, man, it's been busy with work and whatnot, but other than that, not too bad. Yeah. How, how about y'all? Uh, college, <laughs> work, everything else, you know. Good job, football yeah, back, be, uh, at least. Yeah. Tough week for must you, huh, a, Paul? Eating uh, in New Orleans. Oh, uh, yeah, well, hey, it's a tough week for uh, for Nate, too, having a, his player win, Um, what, Kyle Lewis? Yeah, Kyle Lewis won uh, Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year. That's pretty cool. Just add that to unanimous, the Unanimous, right? Arsenal. Something like that. Yeah, unanimous. 30 votes. I wow. didn't think that would happen since there's a baseball writer out there who just trashes the Mariners. His name's John Heyman. I'll just say that. <laughs> he says the Mariners have no plan, but the statistics and their minor league system and their youthfulness tells me a different story. So I'm going to go with what I see with my eyes and not what I've – I don't know. I'm looking out the windshield. He's looking in the rearview mirror. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Right on. Hey, maybe it'll give me a chance to, you know, reason to watch some baseball. Hey, um, why not, man? <laughs> We're always Mariners are always looking for some new fans, but jump on the bandwagon now before it's too late and they call you a bandwagoner. <laughs> or before uh, MLB <laughs> to PDX gets me first. Right there. I, I don't think that's gonna happen though. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, let's let's check out the Pac-12 slate real quick. Um, we got USC at Arizona this weekend. That's the 12:30 game on Fox. Um, Colorado at Stanford. Oregon, Washington State at four, and then we got the late games. Late, late games. Uh, Cal visiting Arizona State. This will be Cal's first game of the year. Same goes for Utah, who's visiting UCLA. And then we got the Beavers going up to Seattle to play Washington at the late, late, late game, 8 p.m. <laughs> on FS1. Boo. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> real. That's one thing we can all agree on for sure. Um, 
And Nate, I believe you made your picks already too for Cliff. I did. Uh, yeah, I think I had. Um, I pretty much went all chalk this week. Uh, Boo. <laughs> I think you did too, though, Charlie. Oh, maybe. Um, I no, I picked at least one upset. I'm pretty sure. So I'm going with the upset of Arizona taking. Uh, this is Nate, by the way. I'm going to take Arizona over USC. Um, pretty much because I haven't done any too deep of research on that, but um, <laughs> I believe that uh, USC has what or uh, Arizona has what it takes to overcome USC. I also picked up Colorado at Stanford. That's kind of a coin flip in my opinion. Um, Stanford's probably the favorite, but I like Colorado. Um, Oregon at Wazoo. We'll get to that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take uh, Arizona State at um, uh, hosting Cal. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Utah. I don't know why I picked Utah over UCLA, but I'd rather have a non-California school win that. I think based <laughs> on zero statistical analysis. And then for Oregon State at University of Washington, I picked that based off of the fact that Washington State beat Oregon State, and they're both not very good teams. Therefore, I'm going to take University of Washington to take Oregon State, unfortunately. But an Oregon State upset is favorable, in my opinion. Oh, definitely. Of course. Oh, yeah. We can always love to see the dogs lose. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Even if it's Oregon State for you guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're they're just just not good. It just doesn't matter. This is interesting, though. So, rewind, like, well, even not even a decade, like five years ago, even. And our answer might be different. <laughs> well, no, not five years, maybe like six years. It's a good question. Well, yeah, the, the interesting thing for us is we all kind of grew up um, with this extended run of Oregon winning 14 of 16 versus Washington. Um, like it was an after and, and it was, it was 12, yeah. it was 12 straight at a time. Um, which was basically like the time we started watching football. So it was an afterthought for us. Um, and Oregon State was kind of a rivalry uh, that I have some nostalgia for, I guess. Oh, totally. I, I kind of root for the Beavers to pick things up and, and for that in-state clash to be good. But then we just, you know, I, I have a real distaste for UW fans because they've really started talking in the past, like, four years. Without doing anything. Yeah. So, so no, that I'm a Washington State fan, and I have to listen to the dogs talk my entire <laughs> life. Yep. Because they could be terrible, and we would still lose the Apple Cup, even if we go 14 and one on the season, or however many games are played. So it's pretty. It's one of those things. But since we're on Oregon State, let's go to the NFL for a second. And talk about Jake Lutton, Luton, however you say his last name. Well, I think it's Jackson, right? Yeah, playing for Jacksonville right now. He's filled in for. Wazoo, former Wazoo quarterback, um, Gardner, Stash, right? Minshew, yeah. yeah. So since Gardner's out, um, Luton went in and he threw for 304 yards against a terrible Houston team. But I think that was that was pretty impressive coming out of the Pac-12 there, just to see two guys from the Pac-12 starting for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then you have Luton come out and throw a touchdown, 304 yards. Not a very good passer rating, but. Um, that's not a bad first game in the league. No, not at all. Yeah, for sure. Resident NFL guy Paul was probably all over that, but I I've been avoiding NFL to be honest with you, except for Herbert. Like literally, <laughs> that's all the NFL I've been consuming. Yeah. Do we want to talk about 
the Chargers game for a little bit. No, know, we uh, don't. I mean, I know they lost, and that's all I need to know. So the Chargers, well, so it just sucks to be a Chargers fan. I mean, man, <laughs> that's like four games in a row coming down to the last second or blowing a massive lead. But on the positive side, you do have a quarterback down there who's tearing it up. I, he's probably a front runner for the uh, rookie of the year, if I had to guess. We'd love to hear that. Rookie of the year. Love to hear Definitely. that. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, at this point, NFL is just like, I mean, if I'm going to spend all day Saturday on the couch, then I got to get out of the house on Sunday. So yeah, I got to get something done Sunday, <laughs> even if it's very little, <laughs> um, get out of the house, go to a bar and watch a game. There you go. <laughs> We're going to act but, like I'm not still 20 years old, but yeah, yeah. anyway, <laughs> anyways, anyway, so me, uh, me and Reed and uh, one of our friends were uh, sitting, eating uh, beignets and drinking, uh, uh, drinking coffee, and we tuned into this final, the final drive, um, having Herbert take him down on the field against the Raiders. Had two shots at the end zone from, uh, like the five, five yard line. Two, two fades, two corner fades, both very catchable, both. Uh, receivers got hands on them, went to the ground, and couldn't maintain possession. It was just heartbreaking. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah. It was bad. Disgusting. Quite yeah. disgusting. All right, um, back to whatever we were talking about. Yeah, a long time back ago. Back to Pac-12 uh, slate. Yeah, all yeah. Was, all I heard was coffee and beignets. Where you at, man? Down there in New <laughs> Orleans or something? Yeah, yep. yeah. I go to school in New Orleans. Nice. This is what Reed. Am I talking to Reed? Yes, you're talking yeah, to Reed. Ah. <laughs> The Canes guy. I love Canes. It's the best. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was blaming these guys for going going to New Orleans and buying fast food. Like, who does no, that? Canes is so good. Canes yeah, but is it's so also good. like downtown in Portland. Like, it's not the same though. It's not the same. Yeah, it's not. It's not the same. It's not the same. Not the same. I have it where I'm at, and trust me, you always got to get the fries extra crispy and your toast double buttered, both sides. Wow, toasted. double buttered. Wow, I haven't had the double butter test. And you get the chicken extra crispy, but you're going to be waiting in the uh, pull up to the front and we'll bring it out to your line. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) nothing wrong with that. Hey, as long as you get Caniac sauce, you're fine by me. Super good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, should we talk about Washington State, Oregon? Yeah, sure. That's what we're here for. Yeah, let's get into that. So, I'm assuming you watched the game on on Saturday against Oregon State, unless you fell asleep early, which, hey, no judgment. No, no, I I watched it. So,. There's a few things that stand out. So we we do have you know a new coach down there, and he's he's not um, Mike Leach by any means. Um, the philosophy is a whole lot different. So it was different seeing um, a running back break the hundred yard mark. Um, that was a new one for me. I mean that's only happened a couple times in the time that I've been watching Washington State during the Leach era. But um, Dion McIntosh, who filled in for um, an injured Max Borgie, really um, picked up the slack and did a wonder on the ground for yeah. Washington state. So heading into this game, um, hopefully I'm not, I didn't see the uh, injury report, but if you got Borgie and McIntosh as your one, two backs, um, depending on how Oregon state defense or I'm sorry, Oregon defense fares, um, that could be a challenge. I'm not, I'm not too familiar with Oregon defense. Uh, Charlie, do you want to chime in on that? Yeah. So, I mean, this is something we were talking about earlier actually was uh, it, it, seemed like a disappointing performance against Stanford just because there wasn't a ton of like quarterback pressures um and Stanford did 
get a couple chunk plays on the defense. Um, but overall, it was pretty convincing. I mean, Oregon is, of course, losing Troy Dye and Javon Holland. And, um, didn't have Popo Amave, one of our big uh, defensive tackles. Um, but it still, it still fared pretty well, actually, against the Stanford defense. So I'm really... I, I actually... I mean, I hope Borgie gets to play, not just for his sake, but to see how the Ducks can stack up against that kind of back. He's appeared on a lot of, like, watch lists and things like that. I think I saw he was the only player to be on, like, the Doak Walker and Bolitnikoff watch list, I think, as a a running back and a receiver. So uh, he's a weapon for sure. I mean, I remember him tearing us up as a true freshman, I believe, when we went up to Pullman uh, a few years ago. Yeah. So so one thing I noticed is that both offenses put up – they they both had – so Washington State had 64 total offensive plays, where Oregon had 66, and Oregon also had 496 total yards. Washington State had 456. Um, so the offenses are kicking um, right now, but it's also early. It's game one, right? Yeah. Um, um, just trying to do a little once over on the stats here. Yeah, um, one thing that you mentioned, kind of the the impressive rushing attack for Waz- for Wazoo. And it actually was, um, I think it was the most uh, rushing yards a running back has had for the Cougs since 2007. Yeah, I which is, say it's been a while. Yeah. yeah he, he got, uh, McIntosh got up there near the 150-yard mark, 147 yards. And it's 30. And, I mean, that's impressive wherever you are, especially if you're up there in Pullman where they just, they just don't run the ball. Yeah. yeah, I think um, that a lot of people um, kind of hear like the run and shoot and they assume that it's a really pass-heavy offense and that it's going to be uh, similar to what Leach was running with the air raid. But I think fundamentally there's there's a big difference. I mean, it, and that stat of the rushing yards for McIntosh definitely bears that out that, I mean, that's something that you really never saw under Leach. Um, but one, obviously, um, kind of carryover from Leach is that uh, Washington State found a quarterback on Saturday with Delora. Uh, and, and I don't know why I'm surprised by that necessarily, because um, <laughs> they always seem to. Every time that we say, oh, another really good quarterback has uh, left the program, it's just like a new young gunslinger with all this swagger comes in and, and tears up Pac-12 uh, defenses. He was a... Uh... Pac-12 freshman of the week, too, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe, like, offensive player of the week or something. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, but he got some kind of honors. I mean, I I think it's funny. I'm looking at the lines right now. He had almost an identical line to Shuck. Um, 18 completions for 227, two touchdowns and a pick. Shuck was 17 completions, 227, one touchdown and a pick. So, I mean, obviously different scales, maybe. I mean, we don't know how good Stanford or Oregon State's defenses are. Um, but I'm really excited to to face a legitimate QB in Delora this weekend. Uh, not that West wasn't legitimate for Stanford, but I mean he was a backup quarterback, so. Right. And then looking at the rushing yards, looks like Dion had 147, where um, my boy from San Diego, CJ Verdell, only had 105. <laughs> yeah, Verdell had a pretty good game though. Um, just all things considered. Um, yeah. We had some some distribution to the other backs as well. Uh, right. Um, and some from Shuck. Touchdown. Yes, Shuck had like right. 85 rushing A lot rushing of rush yards from Shuck. Yeah. Yeah. One thing uh, I wanted to ask you, Nate, is just what are your 
uh, expectations for this season? Because for me, I, I did a little bit of a preview for all the teams from the Pac-12 North. And I didn't really expect much from the Cougs this year with a new coach and, and all the weirdness of this offseason. I had them last in the North, and, and I thought it was going to be close between them and Oregon State. Um, but just kind of the uncertainty, even though I, I didn't mind the um, Rolovich hire at all, I just thought things seemed like they were kind of on pause in Pullman. Uh, but did you feel that way going into the season? And maybe how has that changed after the week one performance? So um, I guess the honest answer is I really didn't set any expectations knowing that the whole regime has been changed out, you know, with uh, a new quarterback, new uh, new head coach. Um, so, and to be honest, I really haven't had a lot of time this year to really focus on college football. And last week I just decided to sit down and, you know, dig in. And I was quite impressed with how, like you said, Jane Delora, um, performed, um, backup running back Dion McIntosh, how he, you know, had 18 carries for 147 yards, you know, and a touchdown. His, he had a, he did have a long run of 50 yards near the end of the game there, just a wide open just half, you know, 50 yard run there. But right. um, there was, I was, I was quite surprised, especially, you know, like I said, without Max Borgie in there to really carry the, the running load. And I think Max Borgie is a, he's a beast, man. And I think he's going to do, I think he's going to get drafted for sure. Um, they're comparing him to um, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, so I've heard that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But he needs to get some games under his belt this year, um, albeit not too many games. But he'll get some time to showcase his skill set. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, I really didn't have a whole lot of expectations. I go out there and I, I cheer for my Cougs. But um, <laughs> after looking at the numbers briefly here, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty impressed with uh, with what they've done, and I'm actually. I'm actually also impressed. I got to give a shout out to the kicker here, Blake Matza, man. That guy is, he's, he's old reliable and he's probably going to get drafted too because there's a lot of NFL teams out there with kicking woes right now. I think Blake's going to land himself an NFL job. Well, that's, that's disappointing to, that's disappointing to hear as Ducks fans because I don't know if you caught our game, but we were benefited by four missed field goals from the Stanford kicker. Uh, and that definitely helped give us a little momentum in that game. So oh, nice. I guess we won't have that crutch to rely on against the Cougs. I mean, Blake doesn't miss a whole lot. He went five for five on extra points, and then he went one for one on a 34-yarder. So, again, he's not a lot of – doesn't have a lot of time on, under his belt this season yet, but last year he was he was solid. But um, one thing I did notice is a disparity on defense here. Um, granted, I don't know if Oregon State and Stanford are equally bad – but uh, Washington State defense actually was able to sack um, Oregon State four times uh, for a loss. They got to the quarterback. Well, I look at Oregon. They didn't sack um, one Stanford quarterback at all. Right. That. So I don't know if that's a problem for you guys or if you guys just don't have a, uh, a pass rush at all or if you guys are more reliable on the corners and linebackers. Yeah, I think um... – yeah, for Oregon, that was really a story of, I, I mean, Stanford does some things schematically just with their kind of power run game that prevents like a heavy pass rush from working uh, as well. 
But I think that was something that Oregon fans were definitely disappointed at, at about um, last Saturday's game for us because we have some guys that we expected big things out of. We have uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, a star, five-star, former number one overall player at the defensive end spot, who should be a top five draft pick come 2022, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, we're curious if, if we can maybe force some more pressure against Wazoo, I think that fans were kind of able to accept that maybe because of, you know, for schematic matchup reasons, we weren't able to force that pressure against Stanford. Um, but I think if that trend continues, it's going to be worrisome for the Ducks because it was something that we expected to do better this yeah. season. Yeah, I actually am feeling... Oh, sorry. Um, I actually am feeling pretty confident that Oregon will get... Uh, considerable lot more pressure because one thing that I did see um, that I love from the Ducks was our, our DBs just look great in man coverage. Um, D.D. Lenore uh, and Mikhail Wright, just, they, they just looked very solid and uh, they weren't getting ran by. There was one play, um, one play where... Uh, we had a guy get run by and it went for a big chunk, but that was, it was it was a standalone thing. And I think that that kind of coverage, um, with uh, Washington State's um, you know new quarterback and all that, I think the coverage will be good enough, and and the pressure will be good enough to just to get to get home. And we should have you know three or four sacks. Well, I'm gonna counter I'm gonna counter that statement because uh, first of all. We have a mobile quarterback in Jane Delora, where last year we didn't. So I, I would be surprised to see that many sacks. But, I mean, running quarterbacks do like to hang on to the ball a little bit longer as well. So there, you do have that um, going for you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of my my counter on that. But for um, Right, and I, I also think that um... – Wazoo is pretty solid at the tackle spots, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's one of yeah. the strengths of your guys' roster. So, I mean, that's obviously tackles, big. Yeah. And not only that, we have two receivers in Travell Harris and Renard Bell. Renard Bell's experienced. He's a uh, guy gets open, and so does Calvin Jackson. Calvin Jackson got open when it counted. He only had 12 yards receiving, but uh, they were both for first downs, and they were quite pivotal for that game um, when it was a little bit closer. But Renard Bell, he has solid hands, and Travell Harris really blew my mind this weekend with seven receptions for 107, seven receptions for 107 yards. So wow. he was able to find his way to get open. So um, I'm sure Oregon's defense is a little bit different. I mean, probably a lot a bit different. <laughs> but I imagine these receivers are going to find a way to get open at some point. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. One stat um... – that I found out today actually was that uh, Oregon has failed to cover uh, 10 consecutive times against Washington state, <laughs> which is, which is a pretty wild number. I mean, obviously there's the four straight wins for Washington state, um, which, which prior I to think, last year. Yeah. Prior to last year. Um, and then uh, there was some time early in the 2010s where Oregon was, you know, had pretty big lines that kind of explained their inability inability to cover lines in the 30s and stuff. But 
still, I mean, I think that that does speak to the fact that um, Washington State usually plays Oregon well. And I think a lot of Oregon fans are, are nervous whenever the Wazoo game comes around now because of those four losses we've suffered in the past five years. Yeah, and I mean, there's obviously, like, a different set of circumstances in most of those losses. I mean, whether we were starting, like, Lockie or Burmeister or wearing gray uniforms or what have you i mean <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't always like the the nicest time to be a duck fan um and we didn't certainly didn't have like huge expectations but yeah i mean we still lost right i mean growing up wazoo was just like no offense it was a box checking game like yeah okay yeah sure whatever both the washington schools were honestly like oh they're coming mm. up this week oh sick free win like <laughs> but not anymore i mean yeah, of course they don't have Leach anymore, but I think Rolovich is the right guy to replace him. I mean, he's got a, got a, you know, he's got decent experience. He's he's got good experience in like different offensive schemes, whether it was as an actual quarterback at Hawaii or coaching or what have you. I mean, last year, <clears throat> ten win season at Hawaii, kind of marred by the fact that they played fifteen games. But hey, ten wins is ten wins, right? It's hard to do. Um, I, th- I think one thing that people kind of underestimate, too, is is there's a perception within the Pac-12 that Washington State doesn't have a very talented roster conventionally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't recruit quite on par with, with the top end of the conference. But for a guy like Rolo coming from Hawaii, he kind of walks into that uh, room and he has... Um, all these weapons that he didn't have at his last stop, guys like Max Borgie, um, who it's exciting for an offensive mind like him. And I think you saw that in week one for the Cougs that um, Rolla was, you know, able to make things work right off the bat, despite all the challenges, new quarterback, shortened off season and the like. So one thing I want to mention, um, you did bring up the spread read the spread for this week's game is pretty much the same as last week's 10 points. Um, for the Ducks, do you think we cover that? I'm I'm expecting us to cover that personally, but maybe my expectations are too high. I mean, if you think about it, like I feel like a lot of Duck fans might be disappointed if we only win by ten, even slight, slightly. Yeah, I think. Well, one interesting thing is this game could be played in like the slush and sleet up in Pullman. I think it's going to be pretty cold in it. Um, might have some snow or ice on the ground. So I don't know exactly how that will affect things. Um, I mean, if, if it just turns out, it turns has to turn into both teams kind of bludgeoning each other at the line of scrimmage, then I feel good about the Ducks' chances. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think I am with you that I think the Ducks should cover, and I really hope we do because, like we kind of mentioned earlier, there could be some more eyeballs on this game. But I'm I'm just never too confident against Washington State. I think that that uh, I, there's just something that happens up there, and even though it's not the same scheme as Leach, I think that Rolo's offense could pose some problems for us too. Uh, it's a really balanced offense. I noticed that Washington State has a really balanced offense, at least in the last game. There wasn't too much pass, n- not too much running. It was really. Um, really balanced it was a really fair distribution and um yeah i mean that's not something we're used to seeing yeah and i also think that if the uh washington state is able to establish their run game that'll open the door for a lot more uh play action 
and a lot more, um, you know, quarterback reads or options for, you know, Delauer to get up to get upfield even using his legs. So um, I expect Delauer to scramble a little bit. Um, I'm going to say he's going to get at least 50 yards on the ground himself. And I actually think Washington State will cover this game, but I don't think they're going to win it. Right. Yeah, I think that's interesting what you said about establishing the run because one of, I think, the problems for Oregon last week was plugging the holes at times with the linebackers in the run game. Um, just because we, we replaced the presence of Troy Dye, who's kind of our four-year defensive leader. Uh, and we had this kind of mismatch between um, some more experienced older guys that were trying to play and, and that we need kind of to direct the defense and, and hold down our communication on that side. And then we have some really young, talented linebackers um, that we're trying to get snaps and that kind of have raw instincts and a physicality and to them. just absolutely huge, by the way. <laughs> right. Like, like Photoshop looking huge. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that's a really good uh, key to the game is, is if Oregon can kind of fix the things that, that were uh, troubling, especially early in our Stanford game last week, and we can win and we can prevent Washington State from establishing the run, then I think I feel good about our chances. But like you said, Nate, if, if Washington State's able to run and pick up, you know, five, six yards on first down and then start to mix in those passes, I think that it could be uh, a, a nerve-wracking game till the end for Oregon. I, I definitely still pick Oregon to win this game. Um, as far as covering... I think I'm going to pick the Ducks uh, not to cover, honestly. Barely. Mm. I think it's probably around a a little a seven. I mean, it's right. It's it's pretty close to a ten. It's a good line, I would say. But yeah, yeah. I will say, um, Nate, you did mention the ability of the running backs to hopefully open up the pass a little more um, or play action. I the position drew. The position group I trust the most on this defense are the corners, right? I, mm-hmm. After what I saw week one, I was still kind of hesitant um, believing in Mikhail Wright just because he wasn't a starter last year. Um, Thomas Graham was getting those snaps. But, I, I mean, we didn't – I don't know if Lenore was targeted in that game. Like, he was a blanket. And Wright had some great big plays. He broke up a bunch of passes in the end zone and had that big chase down and whatnot. So I'm really confident in those guys. It's the safeties that I'm a little bit worried about. Verón McKinley will be suspended for the first half. He's he's one of the starting safeties. He was ejected for targeting in the second half of the last game. Um, And obviously the Ducks are missing Javon Holland from that nickel spot that Avalos likes to use so much on defense. Um, so I think it's really, a lot's going to fall on Nick Pickett this week. Um, and also both guys, Jordan Happel and Bennett Williams, um, kind of the, the backups to McKinley at safety. Reed, which, which one of those guys do you think gets a start and why? I think it's going to be Happel just because it's so early in the season. And, and Happel, for those who don't know, is a transfer safety from Boise State. He actually is a product out of Jesuit High School in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Um, uh, I know Charlie doesn't love that. Um, Nobody does, bro. But <laughs> but, uh, but I think it's going to be Happel just because he, he knows the defense so well. Obviously, uh, Avalos is a higher over from defensive coordinator at Boise State. 
Uh, and in practice, Happel's been a really vocal leader in that back end. Um, and people have been really impressed just with how he's kind of been able to fit in immediately because he has so much experience with this defense. I mean, it's really as much as anyone else on the Oregon roster does, it only being Avalos' second year here. Um, so I expect him to get the start. I think uh, Williams will play some, and then I think it'll be uh, big to have uh, McKinley back in that second half because we might need him. Yeah. And, I mean, Nate, I know you mentioned uh, both Bell and Harris, the receivers. Which which guy do you trust more? Like, who who do you think is, like, the – more dangerous out of those two like who's your wide receiver one uh so i would probably have to say well harris had more touches for more yards right mm-hmm. um probably because they were they were doubling up bell so he's obviously the bell would be the wide receiver one and i, I trust him if he's able to get open to make big plays but i want to go back to what you were saying about your corners um don't you think your corners will suck into the play actions and possibly leave wide receivers open I mean, hopefully not. Like, they they were pretty good against Stanford at sticking to their guys um, consistently. I, I especially trust Lenore. Again, he's the senior. He's he's the one of the leaders, right? He's he's the guy, um, NFL prospect. And, and what about on scramble plays? I mean, hey, that I think the the fact that we run the nickel so much might help with that. Um, our nickel Jamal Hill is is obviously athletic enough to make those kind of plays on the edge. Um, But it it really depends on the packages. I mean, I I also like the movement of our linebackers, Um, but I think it really comes down to the defensive line, how how much they're able to get through and cause pressure and cause scrambles. Because at the end of the day, I mean, we'd we'd rather have scrambles than Delora thrown from the pocket and tearing us up like he did against Oregon State. But then, yeah. hey, if, if we can get some coverage sacks, that would probably be the most ideal. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's tough, too, because, I mean, obviously we've only seen this one game of the Rolo offense, offense at Wazoo, but Stanford and Washington State uh, present, like, really different problems for our corners, I would say. I mean, Mikhail Wright stood up great against kind of these jump balls against bigger receivers, um, but I don't think that's exactly what he's going to see against Washington True. State on Saturday. Um, it's going to be kind of, uh, you know, having to cover shorter routes potentially and um, just a lot of discipline in, in your assignment. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. This is going to this gonna be – this is a uh, battle for first in the Pac-12 North as it, is, <laughs> as it stands. Okay, yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's gonna be a good game. I'm, I'll watch it. I'll be, I'll be on there, uh, you know, watching it live and giving my thoughts. Um, I guess on my own Twitter feed. <laughs> you're what? You're at baseball dude man on Twitter still. I right? am. I'm at baseball dude man. Yeah, <laughs> and hey, that's go, a great app. Go check out some Mariners content if you're a baseball fan as well. For sure. Really yeah. Important. Yeah, definitely head over to Cascadia SN for a lot of North good Northwest sports content. Yeah, hey, Timber's heating up. You know, we just made uh, playoff season is upon us in a couple weeks, so check you that said, out. You said Sounders wrong. Oh, them too. Yeah, oh no, those guys. Uh, they're they're <laughs> gonna lose in the first round though, so it's fine. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. Um, 
It was a year ago yesterday we won the MLS Cup. I'm just going to throw that out there. Oh, that's right. Well, actually, I actually hope I hope the Sounders win in the first round of the playoffs so that we can play them. Because as we all know, the Timbers don't lose to the Sounders in the playoffs when it really counts. So just like to say that. Okay, COVID Cup winners. I wear that with pride. Oh, <laughs> that t-shirt is available on our website too, by the way. So, go check it out. Cascadiasn.com slash store. There you go. Thanks, Taylor. Well, well, thanks for having me on for the uh, the guest appearance. Talk about Washington State football. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm for sure. Thanks for being here, Nate. Thanks Thank for you. coming through, Nate. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, Nate. No problem. Enjoy your evening, gentlemen. You as well. Right. You too. Yeah, why don't we just op- open this back up? Uh, let's get to – we heard Nate's picks. Why don't we all give some picks, talk about what we like and – um, what we're hoping to see um, in this college football slate this weekend. Yeah. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Well, I, for one, liked what uh, Nate had to say about USC Arizona. Um, if I'm looking at this right, it's a 14-point spread in favor of the team from Southern, Car- uh, Southern California, and I think that is far too many points from what we saw from them last week. Um. Arizona is an unknown. Yeah, there's, you know, Clay Helton's not going to know what to game plan for here. I think that Arizona keeps it within the points. Um, Oregon, I agree with Reed. I think that it's a, it lands around a touchdown. Um, you it's know. interesting. I'm seeing on some, uh, on another site, I'm seeing like 11 points instead of 10. Not that that's a huge difference. Yeah, but. I mean, it, it, yeah. it did move down to like seven for a second. Um, and then I think it's moved, creeped back up. Interesting. Right. Or to seven and a half, maybe. Yeah, Oregon's a heavy money line favorite. If you're making any parlays, throw them in there. They're a lock to win. <laughs> chill, uh, chill. Relax. Hope you do some no, knocking. No, no, I'm... <laughs> yeah, you. I mean... Elsewhere, I think Georgia, Missouri... I don't know. I I don't like, I don't like Missouri in this game. I think Georgia covers and covers and wins easily. Yes, sir. Yeah. I think yes, uh, J the buzz is J T Daniels is finally getting some first team reps yeah. for the dogs. Yeah, which is like, okay, cool. Where was this like, two months ago? <laughs> well, I just don't <laughs> think he was ready. Oh yeah, and Stetson was, though he was ready. Yeah. He was totally well, ready. <laughs> uh, I mean, what, then you, uh, you have... That's um, called sarcasm, by the way. Yeah. Couldn't tell. Uh, one of the more fun games, I think, will be actually Ohio State and Maryland because um, Ohio State really hasn't played anybody. I mean, Nebraska, Rutgers, Penn State, I, what is there, like one win in those three games among those teams? Yeah. And Maryland is spicy. Uh, the spread is 25 points. I think that Maryland keeps it within 25 points, but I also like the over in this game, even though it's 73. 73, it's a lot of points, but I think it goes over. I don't know. I think uh, I like – wow, am I reading this right? Miami's a two-point dog at Virginia Tech. Really? Virginia is... Tech just lost to Liberty, too. Yeah, what's up with that? I mean, hey – we'll save we'll save any Hugh Freeze comments for later but I mean you can't knock Liberty man 
they're undefeated. No, for sure. That team. But I mean, Miami, like, really? I I might have to take Miami in that one. Yeah. yeah what do I mean, so Miami Miami played last week against um uh NC State and it was really close. I mean, I don't I haven't been watching a lot of ACC, but I I mean, I I would like to think that Derek King can do a lot more than beat Virginia Tech. Yeah, I mean, he like just he didn't look, you know, awful last week. But why why are they why are they inside a touchdown game with with NC State? Uh, I don't know. They are six and one, five and one in the ACC. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I think li- Liberty's actually Liberty's actually really good. I feel like there's um, something that that we don't know about with that game, but yeah, yeah, I, don't know. No, I agree. What do TCU, we think about these okay, two um, these two Pac-12 games? I'm I'm actually pretty interested in. Cal Arizona State. I think is a big game. That's what I was looking at. Um, between two teams trying to like challenge for their respective division uh, mm-hmm. titles, and then I think uh, we should probably touch on the debut of, of the rivals up north. Yeah, I mean, I think with Cal Arizona State, to me, this is the more interesting matchup, just because, like, we saw Arizona State against USC, and they looked. Frankly, they should have won that game, right? USC recovered an onside kick and scored on on a fourth down to end the game. Yeah, they scored 14 points in in a minute and a half. Yeah. So, I mean, Arizona State is a team that I think it's, yeah, we haven't seen Utah play, but I think it's safe to say Arizona State looked good enough to win the South. Um, If uh, now, of course they need like usc to slip up and for other stuff to happen but twice yeah and they're they're only four point favorites against cal like i yeah i'm really having a tough time betting against cal in this game though like wow i i know that first of all first of all okay let me back up this has to be the hardest first two games of the year in the conference right or for arizona state playing down at usc and now cal like that's that's a pretty tough two games late to open up. And if they lose this game, they're basically out of the Pac-12 title race. Right, right. And for Cal, I think, I mean, I, I doubt odds makers are, are uh, buying into this, but I think people are kind of overestimating like the big COVID impact that Cal had. It was like one player that had COVID. Um, and the city of Berkeley ordered them to, to just stop playing. So um, I think that Cal is going to be an unpleasant surprise and I would I would probably take them with the points this game just because uh, I I like Garbers man I know I talked about it in the preview and I feel like I'm still overhyping him maybe but I really like Garbers I think he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the Pac-12 this year yeah my first my first thought with this was take Arizona State as the favorite uh Jaden Daniels looked really good he looked especially um on his feet um, but yeah, I Cal ended last season in the Pac-12. Um, three uh, ended with a three and one in the last four in the Pac-12, and then won their bowl game against uh, Illinois. And yeah, they're just a more. I really think they're just a deeper team. Um, I I don't know. I four is. I don't. I I actually don't think this game is gonna be within. Four points either way. I think one team's going to win by a touchdown. 
Um, but I would take Cal, actually, yeah. Take Cal on the points. You should be enough. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I would take Arizona State. I think I trust the culture that Herm's building there a little more, and, and I like Jaden Daniels at QB more than Barber's. Okay, but, now to the... Okay, go ahead. Yeah, to the to the UW game. Yeah, I... I'm going to be honest, I don't see Oregon State finishing this game within 14 points. I really don't. Yeah, lines yeah, lines two touchdowns. I I think I mean Washington just they They're just a better team. They're more talented. They're they're, they're like, a better everywhere. team. Yeah. They have a better culture, they're a better team. Hate hate say it, hate to gas up those stupid dogs, but uh they're better than they're better than Oregon State. I I I think I think this game will actually be, you know, uh lower scoring than um, Vegas seems to think. But I think that Oregon State's going to turn the ball over a hell of a lot, too. No magic? No no upset in Seattle? Late night? little rain? Hey, I'll be watching Pac-12 for it. Pac-12 after dark, um, after dark. We'll probably, actually, this game will probably be on while we're recording, huh? Jamar, um, Jamar running all over him? You don't see it? I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. Ah, if he couldn't do it against Wazoo, how's he going to do it against Utah? Yeah, I mean he, yeah, I mean he went for one twenty three touchdowns. He actually, and he had he had, I think he had one seventy total yards. So, yeah, I just I just think that Washington's defense is is quite a lot better than than Washington State. Yeah, I mean you're probably right on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, should we finish any closing thoughts on on the Ducks game? Um, again, I'm just I'm really excited for the, um, the matchup of our defense against Wazoo's offense, um, specifically with between corners and wideouts. I, I want to see if Lenore and Wright can uh, – I want to see how Lenore and Wright stack up against two of the best receivers in the conference and just how the whole secondary stacks up against one of the best overall cores in the conference. Um, yeah, that's what I'm looking yeah. for. Yeah, I would say – I mean, last, last year definitely given uh, – it was a different Washington State offensive scheme, but – the Wazoo game was one of the games that was like most difficult on our defense, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that we can respond and put together a better performance this time. I just hope it's not a weird game, cold night game under the snow or sleet or whatever it is up in Pullman. Um, I don't know. Maybe I just am too scared of, of Washington State after these past five years and, and some scares they've given us before that. <laughs> Um, yeah, it will, it will tell us a lot about the Ducks though, I think, and not to look too far ahead, but I think we have UCLA up and then Oregon State, uh, next two weeks after this. So this is a big hurdle for me, um, before we hit a little bit of a, of a softer spot of our schedule. Um, so let's hope that we can finish it off Saturday. Yeah, and I mean, real quick, one game that we didn't really touch on actually was uh, was that Utah UCLA. I mean, if if UCLA wins that game, like they didn't they didn't play terrible against Colorado. I know they were favored and they went in and they lost, but I mean, they still put up like what forty two points. Um, so if UCLA wins that game, the Ducks could be staring down the barrel of another like ten or so point spread. Um, come come next Friday, right? Yeah, that's a Friday night game. We got two Friday games in a row, right? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Which I like personally, get to watch, focus on the Ducks on Friday and then get to watch the rest of the country Saturday. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I will say though, like, if if you lose, which we're not <laughs> expecting to lose either of these games, but if you lose, it kind of ruins like the whole weekend for me, honestly, because it's like yeah. all I can think about is how we're not the team winning on my screen. But right, yeah. But hey, well, let's just win, and then I can enjoy my weekend. Right, exactly. And let's just win this weekend. Um, exactly. A couple quick other things, just focusing on the Ducks, um, to do with the depth chart um, that was released a few hours ago. Uh, Shuck and Verdell are now like the official official starters, even though like we we knew this the whole time. Um, and then what else was there? Um, DJ Johnson got the oar at tight end. Yes, that's who it was. And Thank you. and he's still um, there's. It sounds like uh, the other tight ends are still going to be out for this Saturday, which I'm. I think it might be a COVID issue. The university hasn't said anything like that, so don't quote me. This is purely speculation, mm-hmm. but um, not that anyone would quote me otherwise. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but Reed uh, said. <laughs> But I kind of think that's what it might be because it's like a two-week injury to one position room, mm-hmm. and and Popo, uh, and Popo said something either on Twitter or Instagram about like wishes he could be out there but has to stick to protocol. I don't know. Um, but it, regardless, it sounds like we might be a little thin at tight end again this week. But DJ Johnson, like we touched on on the last pod, looked really good against Stanford, um, and uh, the walk-on Cooper Schultz, I think it is, uh, mm-hmm. played well when he had two and some two tight end sets, so I feel all right about it. I don't I don't think that's going to be what decides the game. Yeah, me neither. What might decide the game is offensive line, although I feel like we're, we're free, even though the depth chart might not indicate it, I feel like we're a little more stable um, just across the entire offensive line this week, which is, which is nice. Yeah, PFF gave us O-line of the week, which was kind Good. of weighted on the fact that, um, yeah, they, like, took into account their uh, expectations for different mm. O-lines. Oh, I see. And also, some people at PFFs just seem to, like, have a crush on Cristobal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, hey. Um, <laughs> and how good our O-line was last year. Um, so, uh, but, yeah, walk, they, they were really was... impressed with how we looked. Walk rated out as the second best uh, offensive lineman in the country. Yeah, that's awesome. It, that's that stuff is funny though. I mean, I'm not a I'm not an expert on it. I can't really grade out oh, not me either. Uh, <laughs> positions yeah. like that way. But I imagine mm-hmm. that um, you know sometimes you can play with like I don't know. Sometimes you you can get graded out well without maybe being the most dominant player out there because. Walk seemed like he was doing the right things, but it wasn't like he was always popping off yeah. the screen yeah. per se. But awesome story for him to earn the scholarship, and and he's a big Oregon fan. Um, it means a lot to him to be a part of the program, and and it was awesome to see him start in Austin. Yeah, I just have like one or two more questions for you. Um, okay. One of them is: Do you think we see Dante Manning on the field this week? I actually think we do. Uh, that's what, that's what, um, Mosley just mentioned that in his quack minute today. Oh, really? He said he thought that, uh, Dante Manning might be a guy that steps up that we see on the field. Uh, 
so that's really interesting to me. I, I think he had, um, I know he had dealt with some uh, hamstring in- injury, some mm-hmm. something minor that had held him out um, for a bit of time during our shortened uh, camp. So I think that kind of picking up the new scheme, he could be a guy that we throw in there. Uh, and I really would be excited if we do because he's, he's super talented. I think he might, he might be the best athlete on the team, honestly, just pure um, terms of like he's a guy that can just kind of like do a backflip, yeah. you know, flat footed and, yeah. and stuff like it, <laughs> like just a freak athlete. Um, so I'd be super excited to see him. That's yeah, that's a good thing to note, though. I think that there's a good chance we do because I'm pretty sure we didn't uh, see him get a snap last weekend. Yeah, and then finally, someone who did get like. Uh, I think I saw like a couple defensive snaps, but mostly on kickoffs was just, Oh, I know. Yeah. 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 Um, (laughs) I would love to see flow out there, but obviously like I would rather see Avalos take his time and play his best players um, Mm -hmm. and just do what gives us the best chance to win the game. So I think it's, I mean, a lot of people kind of have flow and Sewell like hand in hand as if they're like supposed to be on the field together at the same time or what have you but i i'm okay with you know him sitting if that's what he needs so yeah i think it's tough just because i mean people obviously have such high expectations of noah sewell because we know penne and mm-hmm. how unbelievable he his career was at oregon and then Flo has so much hype and it's kind of such a name and and already like has such a brand it feels like um people really want to see him i think that uh, the issue really is is just playing two freshman linebackers together is a lot um, in their yeah. first first few games. Maybe we see it more towards the end of the season. But in terms of just getting the defense on the same page, um, it makes a lot more sense to pair them up with upperclassmen like uh, Isaac Slade or Drew Mathis when they're when each of them are out there. And I think that it works two ways that. Um, because of their positions, uh, we have more availability for because because Slade's better than Mathis. I think most people would agree with. Um, that means that Sewell can go in and be paired with uh, Isaac Slade more, and then also I I just think Sewell's uh, probably a better player right now. I yeah, mean, I he, agree. He just looked unbelievable on Saturday. Oh yeah, he looked it, great. I mean, slamming people down and uh, the in one of the the first plays, I mean, QB11 mentioned this in his Twitch stream, was that he missed the hole on the first play, and then and Stanford ran for like a 12-yard first down or whatever. And then the next play, he stuffed it, and he made the play. Right. So uh, you love to see that sort of progression in literally like the first two plays of him on the field. Um, so I'm really excited to see how, yeah, just... how he can grade out. Um, yeah, and of course, none of this means years. that that – Justin flows a bust. Oh, nothing. No, it's yeah, literally you know? been one game. It, yeah, it's one right. game. Um, I'm I'm sure we'll see him take on a bigger role as the season progresses. And I'm, I mean, there's so many people who said that Flo was like the best linebacker they've seen in 15 years. Yeah. Like, I just I have a lot of belief that he's gonna really pop when he gets his chance to go out there. We just might have to wait a couple more games than we thought. Yeah. Well, hey, we'll. We only have to wait uh, a week for another football game, not like almost <laughs> yeah, a year. A days now. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, 
Any any other closing thoughts before we get out of here? No, again, yeah, same same thing. Well, next time we hear you, uh, we talk to you guys, you hear us. Um, it'll be after another Ducks game, hopefully another Ducks win. Uh, and we think uh, we may be joined by a, a Ducks Twitter legend. So uh, <laughs> stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. <laughs> yep. All, All right. right. Uh, well, until next time. Go Ducks. Yeah. Go, Go Ducks. ducks.